Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in the land of crowdfunding, the land of raising money, the land of how do you get your dream or your idea from stage one to stage two and so on and so on and, you know, still eat? How do you do it? I have no idea. That's why I do a podcast and talk to people who are doing it so that they can tell me what they're doing. So this is episode, I believe, 102. Yeah, they're starting to creep back up. We're going to be at 200 in no time, right? Uh, so on today's episode, let's get right into it here. We're going to be talking to Will Monahan, um, and we're going to be talking about watches again, guys. I mean, this was probably episode four or five that we've had in terms of watches. That seems like that is a trend going on right now. Uh, well, Will's company is called TOC, T-O-C, watch, very clever name. And we're going to be talking about the TOC 19, and I mean... As I've said in my other, I, I'm not a watch guy, but I think I have to be because this watch is beautiful. Man, this is a good-looking watch. I especially enjoy what they call the cream version. No pun intended or uh, no no shout-outs to the old cream magazine, but I like that way the way that one looks. It's I can see myself wearing it. It's got a little 70s vibe to it, you know, a little 70s tone, which I think is definitely right in the old wheelhouse. But, um, but Will was a great conversation. Um, He's kind of, I don't know, he has sort of a very relaxed vibe, uh, um, you know, very logical on his thoughts. So really great conversation that's going to be coming up here in a little bit. So, but before that, if you want to go check it out, go to TOC Watch, TOC Watch, and go over to Kickstarter, check it out. Maybe buy a new watch today. Maybe that's your Thursday. You're going to buy a new watch and do it. If you're going to do it, do it on Kickstarter. All right. So what's going on around here? Well... Let's see, where can we begin? Well, last night we won an intense softball game where we came back. Uh, We we were two runs down or whatever it was. We got three back in an inning and had to hold them in the last inning. And we had a runner on second. And uh, eventually I got a bunch of pop-outs with my pitching. So that was pretty exciting stuff last night. Not going to lie there. Um, What else happened? Well, yesterday we got some news around the woodshed camp that was slightly... Un- underwhelming. I wouldn't say disappointing, um, but underwhelming. Um, and it's funny. I just shared that information. Well, I shared that information last night with my wife, and um, you know, she kind of fell asleep. But whatever. And then, uh, then this morning, man, you just don't realize how important your words are and your word choices. And my wife just literally, um, literally about three seconds ago, stuck a dagger in and just turned it a little bit from that news from yesterday. So I got that going on, which is nice. But you know what you do? You put a smile on, you move on your day, and, and you just roll with it, right? And you just you can't control a lot of things. You just do the best, right? But uh, so that's going on around here. And obviously, for some of you that know me real well, you know you you can maybe hint at some of the details, or you can read between the lines on on some on some of that. But for the rest of you, I apologize for being ambiguous. Is that what I want? Oblivious? A big ambiguous? See, I'm not good with words sometimes. I'm not that good with words. But I think you guys know what I mean. So I'm sorry I had to be a little, a little bit around the bush, but around that. Uh, so yeah, um, another other interesting thing here is we had a really good question the other day come in um, regarding uh, Facebook groups, right? And 
kind of the buzz that's swirling around them and what maybe a client should be thinking about. And I thought that was a really good question that I wanted to tackle um, uh, this morning when I when I shot when when we recorded this interview. I'm sorry, not recorded the interview, recorded the intro. I gotta get my head on me. Gotta get my head straight, right? Um, so, what's going on with Facebook groups? Well, maybe um, about two months ago, maybe maybe a little bit longer, but definitely not that long ago. Facebook kind of changed their kind of core philosophies um, around creating communities, creating um, you know smaller groups, you know being. Um, being fo- a, a focal point to a community or, you know, hey, where do I find out about stuff going on in Farmington? Well, you go to the Facebook group and and that's where the conversations are going. So really kind of pushing towards that. Now, they've always had that sort of feature, but now they're really striving and, and what they're doing is they're, they've opened up their API for people like myself to schedule posts, um, you know, ahead of time. Uh, we're getting analytics on our groups. There's just a lot of things happening behind the scenes, but that fe- you know the group feature has always been around. So that's not like some brand new thing. But what, but what also is happening is I don't. It, it looks like Kickstarter isn't throttling um, the messages as much to your group. So if you are, if you have a group of let's just say 100 people, you know, half of those people, maybe even more, are going to be seeing your post instead of it being like whatever it is, six percent on on pages. So. You're seeing um, Facebook really try to push people towards that um, that sort of behavior. So, what does that mean then? Let's just say if you're a watch company, right? Let's say you're Talk 19 and you're and you're thinking about what to do on Facebook. So, what we're recommending for people right now, and this is obviously newer newer strategy, is you know create a group around what industry you're in, right? So, if we're talking about Talk watches here, you would want to go out and create a watch group and try to put as many experts or people who love watches into that group. Um, be in it, you know, if you created the group, don't just go in there and just sell your stuff. Populate the conversations around watch design, um, watch trends, watch fashion, not just about yourself. Now, you, you know, you we use a little bit of an 80-20 rule, you know, so 80% of it would be sort of the curated content that you're finding or content that's around your industry, and that does, and that, and then you know, two times out of ten, you, you you say, hey, here's something that we just worked on. But I would really keep the salesy thing at a minimum, right? The, you know, the call to actions back to your brand because that's going to get people turned off. It's not a uh, the group isn't an ability for you to just broadcast yourself. But um, it really should be looked at more of of how you are using that conversation to move people into your group, right? So so that's how I'd be thinking about it. And I think that's where the power is, right? That's why we still use, you know, we'll use Reddit because if you go over to Reddit, you're seeing conversations around topics, right? Um, and what we're looking for here is conversations around your topic. So like I said, watch company or, or like, you know what? That's a great segue, why don't you guys, if, if you've got a, uh, a successful campaign that you've worked on or if you're in the middle of a campaign or if even if you just want some advice, um, search the group Successfully Funded on, on Facebook and I'll invite you in there so you can see how we're doing it. So even, you know, yeah, I put up episodes in there, but I'm trying to, stir, basically I'm trying to stir the pot and I'm trying to stir up conversations is what I'm trying to do. And I think that's a really powerful thing for, for your brand to be doing um, you know, creating those conversations, right? The more conversations around watches is actually the better, the best, that's, that's really good for you, right? So, you know, 
think about that. If you're doing a, you know, if you've got a, a, a men's magazine, you should be thinking about, you know, shout out Dwayne, go check out Stan Magazine. But if you're doing that, maybe think about having a magazine around father issues or um, men issues or, you know, things that, that uh, you know, but like if he had a, a group like that, let's, let's say in this example, he would want to share out, hey, I saw this really cool men's watch called Talk 19. That would be a good post in there that wouldn't be always about the, you know, hammering home a topic and selling. So hopefully that makes sense. But, you know, interesting stuff going on with Facebook groups right now. And it's something that we are are looking to explore. The other thing that we tell project creators too, that the other side of this coin is go join a bunch of groups, right? So you should be if you're not an administrator of your own group, go join four or five groups like yours and stoke conversations, have thoughts, have an opinion, put out a post. Again, don't join those groups and just start selling and start broadcasting you. Go in there and ask a question. Go in there and ask a question that you really actually want to know for your campaign or your project. Like, again, let's take the watch company. What if you went in there and said, hey, guys, uh, what do you guys think about this? Uh, th- these leather bands? Yes or no? Do you like them? Do a quick poll. That's a great way to have a conversation around your brand. And at some point, if you're doing a funnel correctly, which we've kind of talked about a little bit lately here about awareness, education, and then soft selling, it's a great opportunity to get awareness for your brand. So hopefully that all makes sense. But that's that's been something new around here at uh, Woodshed that we are talking quite a bit about with clients. And I wanted to share that today and and kind of give you guys some insight on how how we're thinking about it. So hopefully, hopefully that all makes sense. But um, all right, so... I'm off. I'm going to be heading down to my mom's garage sale today. I'm going to be sitting around there for a little bit, doing nothing, doing some work, sending out some emails. Um, And I hope you guys have had a great week. Um, If you like the podcast, remember, a few things you can do for me. Go tell a friend, number one. Tell them to sign up. Number two, leave us a review. If you're really digging this, leave us a review. Just real quick, too. um, I had actually a guy sign up inside of Facebook Messenger through our website. And then ask me what, how to get one of my songs the, from episode 101. I, that's never happened before. That made my day. So that was pretty awesome. And um, so I want to send a shout out to him. Thank you. So yeah, if, if you hear a song that you want, man, shoot me an email and I will more than gladly send that song out to you, you know? Um, so that, that, that was awesome too. But um, all right, let's go ahead and kick my conversation with Will from Talk watches all right well well the red light is on so it's time to make the greatest podcast on the planet but before we do that let's do a quick sound check here um so what'd you have for breakfast this morning I had some Rice Krispies. That was it. Nothing too interesting. Yeah. Oh, snap, crackle, pop, huh? Absolutely. Very simple. Quick and easy okay. out the door. Yeah. No, anything in it? Any banana in it? Anything? Do you fancy it up at all? Well, or just go- I went a little bit hardcore and I put some Weetabix and sugar in it. Okay. So, all right. Sweetened up those that bland Weetabix because I needed my fiber. So. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, good, good, good. Um, all right. I think I think we're sounding all right. Uh so let's uh yeah let's go ahead and jump on into it. So so Will, why don't you tell my listeners what you are raising money for over on Kickstarter? 
Yes, uh, thanks very much. So myself and a colleague launched a company called Talkwatch, spelt uh, with no K, so T-O-C. Um, so we launched it there about uh, just really under a week ago now at this point. And it's basically, simply put, it's a mi- minimalist watch. Um, so it's a Bauhaus design. It's, you know, we're using high-end uh, materials, sapphire crystal, surgical steel, Italian leather, and we're using an old-school hand-wound movement. So we launched that um, on Kickstarter last Wednesday, as I said, and, you know, we were very lucky to blow our target in the first day, which was uh, absolutely fantastic, yeah. Um, and it's onward and upward after that, so we're looking to uh, double and triple it if possible in the coming three weeks. Sure. Well, that's why you're on the podcast, because as soon as you're on the podcast, like right now, I've already tripled it, so just just let you know well that. done. I can retire. <laughs> Thank you very yeah, much. Cool. cool. <laughs> um, so, you know, for my listeners who might be driving around or riding a subway right now, kind of how would, you know, you, you just you use the word minimalistic on the watch, but but what are kind of the talking points around it, and what, what makes this watch, um, you know... So, really look how it looks. I mean, for me looking at it, I, I think it looks beautiful. I mean, it just looks like a really well put together watch, but, but how do you describe it to somebody? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a, a very good question. Um, I guess what we want the wearer to get is some sort of identity out, uh, out of the watch. Look, it's a very simple styled watch. It's, you know, we almost say it's a unisex watch, although it will appeal more to the male market. Male market because it's uh, it's quietly uh, quite larger than most watches, but you know it's a simple watch. There's nothing fussy about it. The whole point of this watch is about delivering a quality product, and um, without going over the top on design. Now we have some lovely little design tweaks. We use a, a fresh sunray um, dial which reflects the. Uh, reflects a light at all different angles and we've three different colors that that use that and we've another couple of colors that are just a smooth surface dial so your standard uh, old style dial um but what we want the wearer to do is is just choose the style that that really speaks about their inner self this yeah. their self that they actually aspire to be um, because that, that's what we're doing. We're, you know, we're trying to become the people we've always wanted to become. We're taking that risk we've been too scared to take for so long. And we're, you know, we're diving in at the, in the deep end and we're setting up our own company. So everyone has their inner self that they want to release, they want to let out, but they're holding it back for whatever reason. And, and I think that's the essence and that's, I guess, the style that we're trying to convey with the Talk 19. That's cool. Well, I know for myself, the, the retro cream is what uh, what piqued my interest. So uh, I know that, again, might not do much for listeners right now, but I'm obviously encouraging them to go to the Kickstarter page and check it out. But I really love the way the retro cream one looks. I don't know. There's just something about it. I think it's got that like 70s vibe to it or something. Yes. This like, you know, just like this tone to it. And that would be me. Uh, it, it, I, think, I think I was born in the wrong decade. That's kind of a joke around. Yeah. I, I think I would have really been awesome in the 70s. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've, seen, I've seen a couple of pictures and I think you'd fit, you'd fit right in. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, no problem there. Like, you know, the retro cream is actually, well, it was my favorite for a while. I think the emerald green now has pipped it at this point. But uh, I was, before we launched our campaign, I was away in Sri Lanka for a few weeks, which was amazing. I recommend to anyone. But I had the retro cream on me for the two and a half weeks and I just fell in love with it. 
it's really understated. It doesn't say a lot, but it, it yeah. there's something classy about it. Now, the reason we, we actually have the retro cream dial is, you know, our style is based on Bauhaus, like many minimalist, minimalist styles. But Bauhaus was founded in 1919. And back then, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of flash going on. There wasn't right. a whole lot of, you know, really snazzy styles. And the retro cream was one that was very popular with watches. And there's something really nice about the vintage look. And, you know, after all, our watch is a vintage style watch. And it just fits right in. It's really, it's, it's really cool. So how does, you know, how, how, how did you get into the watchmaking business? It doesn't seem like that's just something that you just start doing. Uh, no. uh, how did you start uh, designing watches and stuff? Well, look. To be honest, I've been I've been trying to break out and and get out of my own. Uh, I'm on my own for a while and and set up a business. And I was very close to doing that last February, uh, 2016. And you know, different things happened that, and it didn't trans. You know, didn't come to pass. Um, and you know, I I wallowed in, wallowed in self pity for a while. And you know, I was talking with my buddy Max, who who's my partner on this. And you know, we were we were talking about other ways to raise capital for for businesses. And you know, we talked about different products that we'd like to launch. And you know, we'd love to have our own watch. We'd love to have our own cafe racer motorbike, mm-hmm. for instance. All these kind of things. And watches was something that we really kept coming back to. And you know, my whole point was, you know. I'm not a very wealthy person, you know, I'm just normal. I'm like everyone else, you know. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I go about my day-to-day life and I like some things that are a little bit fancier than others, but the reality is I can't afford a high-quality, really luxury watch. So what we did is we decided to, to look into seeing how much it would cost to design one ourselves. So we'd have all the elements of the watch that we wanted, but, you know, we'd hopefully be able to design it at a, at a price that was going to be affordable for for everyone, you know, for us, for our kind of people. Um, And, you know, once we looked into it, we understood that if we followed a a strict formula, you know, about what really makes a watch great, and we follow that formula and make sure we don't compromise on anything at all, we would be able to deliver a quality product. And I I think we've done that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, for for something like this, I mean, kind of as you're, you know what? What is like a first step? I mean, is it just literally the power of Google and and go? But how how do you even when you decide like, hey, I want to focus on the watch? You know, what's that sort of first move out of the gate? Yeah, very good question. And it's you know it's one that I get asked pretty much day in day out with you know with all my friends and my buddies and, and pretty much anyone I'm talking to. The, the first step is just deciding to do it. You know, and it sounds simple. It's actually not because it, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of courage. It's a complete mind shift to actually take the risk um, of making that life altering decision. So that's the first step. Decide what you want to do. And then after, just dive into research. Just pick, you know, depending on the product or, or the service or what you want to do or design, just pick the, your favorite top three, top four and really pull it apart. Research the ins and outs. Find out where they're manufactured. Find out the pros and cons of different manufacturing places. You know, we, you know, you look at watches. Switzerland comes to mind. Germany comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Japan comes to mind, and obviously China comes to mind for more mass market. So we analyzed all the markets and we tried to understand what was the best solution to suit what the watch that we'd want to deliver, but also the watch that our customers would want to buy and be a f- 
able to afford to buy. And, you know, we just started picking a few different manufacturers. We researched them in and out. We ruled out a few. We've added them back in a couple more new ones, researched them, checked out their reviews, and then we slowly contacted them all and whittled them down to two or three manufacturers that we'd be happy to deal with. And we, we got in touch with them all and kind of gave them the opportunity to help us, you know, to the, to come up with the, the final product that we had designed. And, you know, two manufacturers were able to do that and we went with one in the end. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's a process, but like any process, once you start it, you're in it and it mm-hmm. will naturally take its course. And I think that's the important thing is to just, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? So I'm from Ireland, uh, across the water, and um, I grew up in a small town called Trim. Um, Trim is a little medieval town in, uh, not too far from Dublin, about 40 minutes from Dublin. You might have seen the movie Braveheart uh, yeah, back in the day. So Braveheart was uh, quite largely filmed in Trim. Um, so there's a big castle scene, and you know that was all right. filmed in Trim. Great little spot. Probably didn't appreciate it as much when I was a child as I would now. Anytime I go yeah. home to visit, but yeah, Ireland is a is a pretty special place um, when you actually give it the chance. Right, that's cool. And what what uh, what your parents do growing up, or what do they do now? What? So my parents, uh, my dad was a a Garda, which is a, a police officer basically. Um, okay. So he was a police officer all his life. Uh, and my mum was a secretary in a, in a doctor's surgery. Um, so, yeah, both of them retired now. They're, in their, they're, they're healthy in their 70s, getting on, traveling a lot. They, they have an RV and they uh, pretty much uh, travel across Europe a lot of the time. And oh, nice. you know, they, they definitely uh, get to enjoy themselves a lot. So, um, yeah, super. Well, where do you think that sort of drive to to kind of break out and be an entrepreneur that you kind of you mentioned there a little bit before? I mean, is that something you might you saw in your parents, or is that a grandparent? You know, where, where do you yeah, trace that back to? Like, you know, my parents, you know, they're they're about you know building a solid foundation and you know getting your education. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, building a solid foundation, trying to understand what you want to do in life and going for it. And you know, they've supported me at every step of the way, no matter what I've done. Uh, which is which is great. Like I guess the entrepreneurial business side probably comes more from my mother's side. Uh, I would have uh, grown up uh, working in my my uncle's my uncle's pub, uh, Irish bar in in a little village, and, and I loved it. It was something I I really liked um, doing, like working with people, um, and I spent a lot of time working in in bars and clubs. And I guess the the one thing I lacked was the autonomy to make enough decisions myself about the direction the business should possibly go in and um, i worked in a in a bar in paris for a while and we were let pretty much run it and it, it became quite successful because of that and at that point i said to myself well right now i need to try and put a plan in place to, to set up my own business and yeah you know, it's taken a while to get there, but uh, I guess it's kind of all worked out in a in a very nice way. So, um, happy happy to see it up and running at this point. That's cool. What's the you know what's the entrepreneur um, scene like in in Dublin and in Ireland? I mean, is it real supportive? Are there incubator programs? Um, were you able to walk into a building and get some some at least some support or anything like that? Are there grants? What, what's it like there? Yeah. Uh, very good question. Like Dublin is a, 
a little hotspot, I guess, for for entrepreneurs, uh, particularly in the tech industry. Now, obviously, we're in a little slightly different industry, design and manufacturing a watch. But there is a lot of knowledge there. There's a lot of people willing to help and, and support um, which is amazing because the amount of people willing to lend, you know, their, I, I guess, their abilities to us for free was was incredible. Um, and you know, it really, it's really a good place to aspire to to do business. Now, our goal obviously will be to take a little space in an office at some point. But you know, we both have or had a job, jobs where we were working out of and we had a lot of flexibility in that we were luckily able to to um, work out of our, our, our current roles. Now, that's obviously not going to be possible anymore, but yeah. there's plenty of opportunities for us to go into a community, a little hub, and join them and become part of, I guess, their community and, and benefit from the facilities they have. So it is, it's, a, it's a perfect place for it. That's great. That's awesome. What's been the, um, you know, was, was there a, a big roadblock or anything over the last 18 months, a year or so that, that maybe you couldn't do something you wanted to do, just had to make a big pivot? With the, uh, with talk, with talk. Watch? Yeah, with talk. Yep. Yeah. Um, look, there's been, there's been plenty. Um, you know, it's not an easy process, um, designing and trying to come up with a, a new watch and trying to get that, that picture you have in your brain down onto, you know, a pad and then onto a computer and then into a physical, you know, unit, into a physical watch. And um, we're actually on, you know, I talked about manufacturers earlier. We're on a third manufacturer at this point. Um, not for any mad or wild reasons, but uh, I guess our first manufacturer, we, we got so far with them and, you know, there was a couple of um, items on the prototype that we just weren't happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were just little quality issues we thought that we, you know, might come back and bite us a little bit as we go to full production. So we were ready to launch last um, November and that was our time frame originally and you know we got the prototypes and they looked amazing and there was just a couple of tiny tiny details that yeah. most people wouldn't even notice and we decided to hold off and 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 go and look at another manufacturer. Now the second manufacturer we actually started working with the you know so they are manufactured in China and you know they've been brilliant and they they generally bend over backwards for you and do anything you want. You know quality is not an issue. You just have to make sure that you pay for it. You find the right materials. You baby step them every single way and yeah. and quality check at every single stage. But our second manufacturer, we had it. There was a language barrier there. We couldn't. We just couldn't overcome. Despite their ability to to almost communicate in perfect English it was just a language barrier we couldn't get around so unfortunately we had to decide in February after a few months working with them that we we were going to just part ways and it was a mutual decision neither of us wanted to take a risk Mm -hmm. at uh, going to full manufacturing and I think it's worked out because the third company that we work for absolutely fantastic um our contact is you know we chat regularly and we're on whatsapp you know at all hours of the day and morning obviously i'd have to be up at 1 a.m in the morning a lot of the time you know 
when she comes online to make sure things are progressing. But I guess just fine-tuning the whole manufacturing process, you know, that's that's crucial. And I think, you know, it was a, it was a roadblock, but now when I look back at it, it was a welcome roadblock. Yeah. Um, because right. it sent us down a different direction. And we were originally launching only with two colors, the black and, and, gra- and uh, retro cream. Um, and, it, you know, our, our current manufacturer encouraged us to look at other angles and look at other ways where we could differentiate our product, even in our core market. And, and you know, every the whole point is about choice. And it's about giving everyone the right choice because not everyone likes black or cream or green or, or crimson red. So it's been a it's been a great, you know, a great roadblock, a great journey. And, you know, we're, we're at the we're still at the start of it, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, what you just said there, I mean, I, I say that a lot to my clients too, where you have to kind of welcome these sort of, these obstacles that are going to present, you know, whatever. If you hire me as an agency, sometimes you're going to run into a roadblock, but actually look at the positives of it. There might be something in there that's that we need to actually look at, whether it's changing a messaging for an app or whatever it might be. Just, uh, just you know, just being open to that and not being so stuck in your ways that you end up you know, drowning your own product because you're like, no, it has to be this way or something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's very hard to let go of control and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of time and yes, it's, it's our baby. It's, you know, it's something we've dreamt about. It's something we fantasize launching, but at the end of the day, we don't hold all the experience. And, right. you know, I think, you know, every person you talk to has a different view and a different angle. And it's really about bringing all those perspectives together and and helping that mold the company. Because if I was doing this on my own without my partner, you know, it it would be so much more or so much less than it really is now. Yeah. And, you know, but if I was doing it without him, I probably would think I'm doing a great job. Mm-hmm. But. But his input, we're, you know, we're at a completely different level. And likewise, I bring input to him. And it's about taking everyone's advice and allowing it, you know, shape the direction. You don't have to sure. listen to it all, but you should factor it in at least. Yep. Well, kind of kind of my flip uh, second part of that question would be, um, what's been the moment where you just really knew you had something that you needed to continue to push forward as opposed to, I don't know, getting the first one and just going, nope. I'm not going to be a watchmaker. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, like, but what was the moment where it was just like, yeah, we've got something here. This is clearly going to be something we should continue working on. Yeah, it was, well, the, the first kind of click was when we opened our first prototypes. Um, and that was back in, in November, early November last year. We opened our first prototypes. We looked at, we automatically spotted a glaring error that most people probably wouldn't, but we just, we knew that it was very easy to overcome that. But when we actually took our watch out of, you know, its package and felt the weight, it's 73 grams, it's a lovely weight. You know, it's a strong watch. It's got seriously good sapphire crystal and it should never scratch. When we, you know, we looked at it, we we looked at the hand wind movement wound up and we watched the spring unwind. We just knew we had, we had something special. And, you know, ever since I've been mesmerized with, the back with the movement as I look into the movement and I look at the the spring just ro- just recoil and and just work away it's it's something fantastic and then we just we just knew it was about time it was only a matter of time that we get the final final product out there and you know when we opened our our last batch of prototypes um which well essentially they're not really prototypes are full production watches we we knew we'd hit 
you know, hit the jackpot and so, and so to speak in terms of being able to now deliver a proper product that can, you know, can, can stand up to the price we we're going to retail it at after Kickstarter and even more if we wanted to. Yeah. So, um, so kind of around you a little bit. So, I mean, middle of a Kickstarter campaign is obviously the most stressful time and you get guys like me begging for your time to, to talk for, for a while <laughs> on the old internet and stuff. Well, but, <laughs> and you've got, you know, you've got emails coming in and, and you got all this stuff. Are there any like um, tips or techniques that you do to stay organized um, as an entrepreneur? Are there any tools that you might use? Or, or how, how would you tell somebody to kind of just manage the sort of, you know, frenzy feeling that goes on in the middle of a campaign? Yeah, because you're right. It is frenzied at the moment. Like you know, we're we're doing sixteen hour plus days. You know, last well, actually the last month, and you know, it can get to a point that you you become overwhelmed with every single email that keeps coming in, and you know, you're trying to watch the clock go up in terms of sales. Whereas I'm trying to stay on top of it, and you're getting you know emails from every type of crowdfunding agency that can help you achieve your goal. But I guess what we do every day is. You know, we have an early morning get together, and we we talk about the few things that would have happened the night before that we haven't talked about, and then we put a plan together for the day, and then we revisit that again probably mid morning, about four or five hours later, and then we do it again in the afternoon, and then again in the evening, because both of us need a little reminding, both of us need to talk through it and see where we're at, and you know, and we have we use collaboration tools, we. We use different platforms to um, to automate some of our social tweets and mm-hmm. you know posts and stuff like that. And uh, we have a collaboration tool where a content management system where we put all the content. Um, so we have lots of little ways of trying to um, streamline, I guess, our approach to our day. But the main thing is just keep revisiting your actions every once in a while to keep you on track. Um, and I think once you do that, you'll actually flow right through the day quickly. But, yeah. you know, a lot of time is trying to understand at what point do you stop doing something. Because, you know, writing multiple different press releases can get very tiring, get very, you know, repetitive. You're losing your creative flair. So, you know, you just need to kind of take a fresh a step back and a, a fresh approach to things as well. Because it is overwhelming and it's absolutely yeah. one of the hardest parts of, of it. Sure. And how about for you personally? I mean, are there, you know, we, we, we jokingly talk a little bit about breakfast in the morning, you know, or, or you know, what you had for breakfast, but like, are there things that you're doing just to kind of, as an entrepreneur, you know, whether it's going to bed early, meditating, or, you know, I don't know, walk, go for a walk, whatever it might be, play a sport. Is there anything that, that, that you do to kind of just unwind for a quick second, just to kind of keep, keep your head in, in the right space? Yeah, well, oh, play sport. I, I try. Uh, you know, I've, I generally would play like five side football or, or soccer a few times a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the moment, it, it's just about once once a week at, at the moment. But, you know, it's really good to get the mind free and, and actually lash out at something, which is yeah. mo- mostly the ball, sometimes someone else's leg. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's definitely important to, to kind of tune out i guess from the noise that's going on in in your face because there's a lot going on at at, at the one time and your head gets quite cluttered i I listen to a lot of music even when i'm typing and i I find it very calming to you know and it kind of releases my i don't know my creativity creativity a little bit um 
just getting out and getting air, you know, we're probably not doing it enough, I'd have to say. So, we're, you know, I get out on my motorbike a little bit, you know, but that's generally going in and out to meetings or if I'm yeah. across the city. It's kind of nice. You're out in the open once it's not lashing rain, which it tends to do uh, quite often. But, yeah, it's just, you know, trying to do a couple of things that you really like and trying to fit them in as well because it's important because, look, at the end of the day, this business, it's it's we want this to become part of our lifestyle. Right. We want to be able to, I want to be able to go off and play golf on a Monday morning when working a Sunday evening if I want mm-hmm. to, you know. So it's about putting in hard hours, but also being flexible with your work and life balance that it just all kind of fits in together nicely because it's finally something I love. So I don't mind doing it at yeah. all different types of days and times, you know, but right. it's about getting through the day and making sure you get your own quality time outside of it as well. That's cool. Well, let's flip over to the actual Kickstarter campaign, which is why I reached out here to, to kind of, to kind of break that down a little bit. So, Ultimately, what was the idea around using crowdfunding and how did that fit into your uh, a business plan uh, for the watch? Yeah, I guess look, one of the great things about crowdfunding is it, it's a platform to test and market test your, your product. Um, you know, the last thing we wanted to do was invest a huge amount of capital in having, you know, two, three hundred watches just sitting there and not selling. Or maybe we would have ordered, maybe nobody wants our watch and we kick out something that we think is amazing, but everyone else thinks is crap. Um, you know, so it's, it's a really good uh, soundboard for your product and it, it limits the risk. Like, of course, there's risk in it. Of course, there's a lot of investment up front. But what we're finding is we're getting some really good feedback. We're engaging our backers. We're asking them what else they'd like to see. What other dial colors would they like to see? What other strap elements would they like to see? Um, so it's giving us that platform to, you know, launch our product, but also fee- get that feedback that we're going to build into our next product and our future releases of this product. Um, because there's a few dial colors that we've got suggested that, that we'll probably look at in you know, maybe six months' time or even three months' time. And it gives us it gives us a, a platform to, to reach a wider audience. And I, I think that's key because Ireland is an, is an extremely tiny market. It's very hard to set up a new business here um, and be really, really successful. Um, and now we have access to a global market, and it's, that's great. That's totally awesome. So what was kind of an overall... Or, or what was the overall marketing strategy kind of prior to launching the campaign? How, how did you guys start to at least get the word out? Yeah, good question. Um, it was quite hard, uh, purely because we, the one thing we struggled with was content. Um, and that's a lot, you know, a lot of good quality images, a lot of, uh, of our watches because we didn't have them. You know, we had a few different prototypes um, we had some content to them, but because it wasn't the final product, we didn't want to uh, mislead anyone with, you know, a different logo or with different types of straps or crowns or, you know, dial styles. So that was one of the challenges was to build up that confidence, build up um, <clears throat> some following. But, you know, we have, our Twitter and Facebook is up since last November. So, you know, we, we do a lot, quite a few blogs. I probably have, I, I don't know, eight, eight or ten different blog posts that I would have done, like, you know, writing about what makes a watch great or, you know, why is brand China actually 
really important nowadays or you know so different blogs to educate people around why we're doing why we're launching a watch and you know it's about building that history we're not we're not just after launching we've been here for a year we've been planning this meticulously uh, for the last year we've been you know marketing on facebook you know we've been reaching out to bloggers we've been you know testing our product with different people and getting feedback all the time but in terms of the nitty-gritty sales marketing, it's you can't really do that until until you have the, the final product and until you're in the final stages because there's no point trying to sell something when you can't sell it. All you can do is garner um, interest and, and raise awareness for what you're going to do. And, and I think we've done that quite well. Um, but it's very hard when you know the, your, your followers are hanging on for six, seven months waiting for this this mythical watch to be released and you're telling them it's coming, don't worry, it's coming. And, you know, you're still trying, you know, you're still trying to perfect it. Um, so it's quite a challenge, I guess, to turn, to keep people interested. And I think we manage that, you know, and I guess you see that in, in the results from our, our first day hitting our target. It was, it was quite successful. And, and that was just because we had created that interest and we nurtured our, our, our uh, followers and our our, our our customers and the people who've put faith in us, we've we've kept them involved, I guess, all the way along our story. That's cool. And, and how about would there be like if somebody asked you, hey, what was the one thing you did, you know, in the campaign, you know, to be successful? What would you tell them just quickly? I mean, there would be like Facebook ads, I don't know, Instagram, emails, whatever. What what would you say um, is the best thing? Plus, uh, so yeah. The one thing, the one thing, and I think the key thing is engaging people all the way. Yes, look, you need to get, you need to generate it. You need to get your brand out there through Facebook ads because you're not going to do it uh, unless you're paying, you know, and getting in front of customers. But what you want to do is you want to get people engaged with you as early as possible and um, get people engaged in a newsletter, you know, try and get their feedback, get them to subscribe to a newsletter because having, you know, three, 400 people on a newsletter, whether you send it out monthly or every two months is very important because having them teed up for your big launch is probably what got us the start we needed. Now, obviously, not everyone who signs up to your newsletter is actually going to be a buyer on the first day, but if 10, 20, 30% of them do, you're, you're on the yeah. fast track to success. Um, and I think that's the thing. And, and actually engaging them, asking them for feedback, asking them to to comment. So, that, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have quite a few Facebook followers who would message me. And there's a few of them over the last six months that have actually become, you know, quite close with, as, as close as you can, I guess, over Facebook. And all along the way, they asked for different tweaks and little changes. Some we couldn't accommodate, but a lot we did accommodate. Mm-hmm. Um, even dial color choices. And, you know, some of the choices one of the, guy, one of the guys suggested, you know, ha- has turned out to be quite popular. Um, so I think that's important. You know, you're just because you don't have the product ready to go doesn't mean you can't build your customer base uh, or build your, you know, get your customers engaged with you. And I think engagement at, a, at every point is vital. That's cool. Uh, now, this may be a silly question because obviously your campaign is fully funded right now and you've got 22 days to go and things are going up, things are going well. But is there anything that you would have done differently with this campaign if you could go back in time? Um, yeah, I don't know. 
it's a, it's a good question. I don't know, to be honest. Um, you know, when you're planning your own campaign, it's you, it's very hard to know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Mm-hmm. All you have to do, you know, you have to research the campaigns that have gone before you and the one that you know the ones that have worked and the ones that are close enough to what your product is and, and try and replicate how they you know how they um, marketed or how they communicated with their customers or how they got the awareness up um but what we, we would have done differently i i don't know is well hopefully launched earlier because i guess we're six, six, definitely six months, if not eight months behind where we ideally would have launched. And that has obviously taken up a lot more cost uh, and cost us a substantial amount more, you know, and we've had to hold back on some of our advertisements because of that. Um, so I don't know. I think maybe, I don't know, having a backup plan maybe a little bit earlier in the game. Like we had two backup plans and, and we were, on, were using our second one, which is the third manufacturer. And I think maybe engaging two manufacturers and getting two manufacturers to build product at the start might be a good idea. But in terms of the actual Kickstarter campaign, I've, at this point, I, I really don't know what we would have done hey, differently or what, it how might have we would have made a stupid question, better. you know? Yeah, I don't know. You, no, you've no, got a successful campaign, you know? So it's this. Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's, no, yeah it's, there's a long way to go. So maybe ask me in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, uh, you know, so what does scale look like uh, for talk? I mean, wh- where do you guys see this thing going? Yeah, good. Now that's a good question because that's also a question where it's hard to know. But look, ideally, you know, this is going to be a limited edition release. Um, it's called the Top 19. It's after Bauhaus, which is uh, was founded in 1919, and we're only releasing 1919 of these actual dial colors. So once we hit that figure, you know, we're we're done with the Top 19 for for a while. We might launch a couple of limited edition um, new dial colors later on, but you know, the plan is to perfect and finish our second design. So we have another design in the works. Uh, we want to hopefully have that ready to go um, by the time we go to China and quality check. So we're going to spend two weeks in China and we're going to quality check all our products there before we actually ship them. We're not going to let one item leave without us actually physically getting our hands on it um, and making sure we're happy with it. So I think where how do we scale? We're going to scale by... Uh, launching our second product as quick as we can and garner more interest. We're going to diversify a little bit. We'll probably launch a female version of our second watch rather than having a watch that's, you know, unisex-ish, uh, you know, because I guess it is a male watch that has unisex appeal. It's it's really targeted at 80% male population, but, you know, we definitely have an eye on the female market with the top 19, but the second watch will 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 definitely want to differentiate between the male and female version. Um, and I think that's how we scale is we, we offer more choice. We really tap into the two markets properly and we give each of the markets enough choice um, on the watch styles. And we might even put a couple of variations on each of the watches as well so that, you know, maybe there's, maybe you can see the whole entire movement from you know, the, the the dial of the male watch. So, you know, we're toying with a few ideas, but I, I like it, it does come back. Scale is about choice. And the more choice you have, the more market you tap into. Um, and I think, look, once we, we nail 
this campaign and we our customers are happy with the product, which we know they will be, um, we can then build on that and create a little bit more momentum and goodwill for the second launch. That's cool. What what do you see as um, like? Do you see um, physical retail like your watches being in, in in stores, or are you guys envisioning just an online B two C type of, of market? Yeah, this is a debate now I've had with Max a few times, and it's a tough one. A lot of people ask that. Look, you know, the idea to have a bricks and mortar store is, is great. Um, I don't think we're going to specifically go into different retail stores. We might look at putting it in one f- uh, flagship store in Ireland, and, and that's it. But, you know, at this point, it's a B2C market for us. We're purely going to be online. At the end of the day, we don't want our watches to be overpriced. We want to keep them very reasonably priced, and we want to deliver really huge value for our customers and you know i we were talking with one swiss manufacturer and it's a guy who's actually who bill hand builds his own watches and he said you know we should really be charging 700 euros for a watch Mm. and i think in the back of his mind he was picturing it in a lovely glass cabinet in a fancy shop and he was seeing the price tag that would probably be on it on it then but we don't want that you know we want you know, we want to deliver a watch at this point under 500 euros that delivers quality. You know, it's you know, it's got sapphire crystals, it's got a mechanical movement, a hand-wound movement in this case, it's got Italian leather, it's got proper tree, you know, surgical steel. It's a quality watch, and you know, at the end of the day, I think our customers deserve to be able to get that for a reasonable price. Yeah. And if we if we look at retail, we're not going to be able to control their experience anymore or their, you know, their after sales experience. Um, right. So I think the only way to make sure our customers are happy is to deliver a personalized service to them directly from ourselves. That's cool. So you've got, I think, 22 days to go until the campaign's over and then it takes a couple weeks for all the money to drop in and all that sort of stuff to happen. But once that happens and you maybe take a, a, a day off just to rest for a minute, just one day, mm-hmm. but what starts to happen at that point on? What, what starts the process of fulfillment? Yeah, like you know, our you know, we're, our delivery time estimate is is November. We're confident that even if we out sell all our watches, we'll be able to deliver them all in November. Um, more than likely, we'll get some of them out in October. But you know, we don't want to promise anything we can't deliver, and we don't want to leave anyone sad or uh, unfortunate or craving their watch. So, uh, what we're actually planning on doing is is well, getting the orders in, getting everything done right, and we're gonna take some time and we're going to go on a bike ride um, a bike ride possibly down to Italy uh, while we finalize the design for our second watch Uh, we have a two week period where we'll we'll be online we'll be designing our second watch but we'll be also taking a break at the same time Uh, because once we come back from that we'll be going straight over to China to spend two or three weeks uh, with our manufacturer finalizing and putting together the second product but also you know uh, doing all the fulfillment and quality checking for the top 19 um so there's there's going to be a a busy two weeks after the campaign ends you know collecting all the money collecting all the the um all the different options that customers will want and then after that we'll we'll have our working holiday i guess um so it'll be quite intense but it's going to be fun and then you know it's about fulfilling each of the orders and making sure Every customer 
unveils the the right watch and you know a watch that lives up to the standard they expect so that's right that's cool so how about for you personally i mean where do you see yourself in the next five years are you are you somebody that likes loves starting companies or do you see yourself really you know just you know being a part of 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 this idea and this brand moving forward or or what do you just i mean in general where do you see yourself um yeah like you know i've a huge amount of different ideas I'd like to look at at some point in time, but I think for the next for the next five years or probably even longer, it's going to be focusing on on talk and mm-hmm. and and building that brand. Like our core brand is always going to be Talk Watch, um, but Talk has got more applications to it, and you know we're going to look at different ways of um, delivering other products that that complement the watch. Um, but in reality, I'd say for you know for every nine watches re- released, we might release two other products. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, at the end of the day, this is top watch, and it's about delivering multiple vintage watches that suits all the different personalities that we all have. And I think that's what we're going to focus on. Me personally, whether whether I'm steering the ship in five years' time or just as a creative, uh, you know, uh, collaborator. I don't know. I think uh, I think I'm not going to want to let go of my baby. I think, uh, <laughs> right. along with Max, we're going to want right. to make sure that it's it's done the way we like to do. And I think that's why we set it up is we want that autonomy. We want that control to to deliver it. And to be honest, we're both really, I guess we're we're over the top in terms of our attention to detail. We you know we don't miss anything, and I don't think we'd like to. You know, let someone else have the final say on, on anything right. that we think is important. <laughs> yep, yep, that's cool. Well, well, um, uh, where can people find out more information? Like, how do they get in your guys's bubble outside of the Kickstarter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're all over social media, but uh, I guess the the main point of of reference will be our website. So it's thetalkwatch.com. So uh, talk spelled with T O C. So thetalkwatch.com. And we're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at the Talkwatch. Um, but yeah, you, you know, at the end of the day, you can always email info at thetalkwatch.com and we'll get back to you. Um, otherwise, definitely visit our, our Kickstarter page. If you just search for TLC, it will come up. Um, any information, any questions, you know, just ask. You know, we, we love feedback. You know, we want to hear what people think. We want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. And we've, we've heard it all so far. And, you know, we want to hear more because it's only with that knowledge can we arm ourselves and, and launch a, a better product and, and keep going so we welcome everything so that's cool awesome well will i appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule right now uh, and sit down and having a conversation i think my listeners are going to really enjoy what uh, uh what we chatted about here and uh congrats on a awesome campaign an awesome looking watch and uh, i encourage everybody to go to the kickstarter page check this out uh, really re- really great product and i wish you nothing but success in the future Jeff, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity and I hope to speak to you again very soon. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, man. You take care. Man, how about that conversation with Will? Really awesome dude. Uh, I'm going to take him up on that. I'm going to connect with him. I'm going to try. Maybe if I go to Ireland, I should be hanging out with him. That's probably what I should do. Yeah. So song we'll listen to is a song called Sunday. Probably might be in my top five of songs I've worked on. This is, That's me. Um, pat, pat, patting myself on the back. I just love the atmosphere and the energy we put behind it. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you guys listen to it. Have a great week, guy, or weekend, guys. And I will talk to you all on Monday. Talk to you later.